Hey there, I want to take a moment at the start of this to let you know that we have redesigned our Patreon campaign. Patreon is how this show and lots of others like it at duckfeed.tv um, are made possible because, uh, boy, they take a lot of time and your money and your support helps an awful lot. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv in order to check out uh, the reward tiers and the milestone goals. This show, Once Upon a Time, was a milestone and we met it last fall and I'm very happy that we've been able to do it. I hope you enjoy it as well. Once again, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. My name is Cole Ross, and I'm your host. And today I am joined by Jeremy Creer. Hello. And by Patty Smith. Good evening. Yeah, I, that that didn't come out. That kind of squeaked. Patty Smith. There we go. Yeah, that's how I say it. Now you've got it right. Most okay. people get it wrong. That's the first person to ever get it right. Well done. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I don't understand what you're saying. Pat, pa, Pat, Patty. Patty. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. There Patty, we yeah. go. Yeah. Smith. Okay. Patty. Yeah. Smith. That's it. No, no, yes. no. Everyone gets the inflection in the middle. Well yeah, done. I, th- I think it's an accent <laughs> thing. I think you have to grow up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Cole is uh, Cole is role playing Jake this this evening, so he's going to be talking like this every once in a while. Yeah, you know, just strate- strategically, strategically. I mean, let me take a sip of my beer. Mm. There we go. Um, this week we are talking about we're continuing our, our discussion of the wasteland, um, with the chapter town and Cotet, which is the beginning of book two. Um, what is it? Lud or uh, what is it? Uh, fear and no, it's not fear and handful of dust. It's a, a a heap of broken images or something like that. You think I would have made that note, but I did not. Regardless, we are in a new act of this book. Last time, um, we completed the ritual of the drawing at the Speaking Stones. Roland and Eddie successfully pulled Jake through to Midworld, while Susanna uh, straight up had sex with a demon to stop it from devouring them whole. Um, and now the Cotet is together with one small addition to be made in this chapter, and they can venture down the path of the beam that will take them to the dark towers door. Um, and this is kind of a, it's it's kind of a breather chapter. Um, after we had the gigantic bear that, uh, destroyed a whole forest. And after we had the house, that was actually a monster. Um, it's time for them to, uh, to, to, to meet some folks, to get to know each other and, to, and to have a good meal. Yeah, this feels really nice. Like it's just kind of a uh, just just a relaxing kind of stroll through Midworld. Like we're kind of we're seeing the natives, we're taking in some sights, we're eating at the local restaurants. You know, <laughs> you know, just all all of the normal things that you do in Midworld at, at this time of year during you know tourist season. Maybe maybe like a Midworld mixer. Like they all just kind of get to know each other. Hey, how are you? Who are you? What do you do? Oh, what's your life about? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 oh. Yeah. it's it's been how long since you've eaten? Okay, okay. All right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and your sister has how many heads? Okay. Well, I'll put only two of them work. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. yeah same. They're going around. Also, no, okay. I do not want to have access to your LinkedIn. Stop it. Please stop asking me about that. <laughs> I, I know that the invite is still waiting. I know it's still waiting. <laughs> It'd be funny. In, you know. you think in the dark side it would be LinkedIn world? Oh, nice, nice. Okay, I'm into that. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I think that's I think that's going to be the tops this time. I don't know that we're going to be able to beat that, but we will try anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything that drew, that drew either of you to this particular chapter, uh, Jeremy? 
Uh, no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even remember signing up for it until last week when Patty uh, started emailing us. So. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Patty I think I just put my name down randomly. So that was, uh, that was yeah. Well, mm. I thank you for being a good sport. And Patty, how about you? Well, I saw that Evan wasn't on this one and our time zones don't match, so I thought I'd jump in. Ah. Um, <laughs> no, it, I, for the reasons I spoke about before, it, it's a nice kind of just downtime chapter. Mm-hmm. It's it's the sort of nice little break in the middle where we can breathe and catch our breath and collect collect the cartet and then move on forwards again. It just seemed like a just a nice chapter to talk about that wasn't full of bullets. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bullets are there. They're just not being fired. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a reasonable. Um, I'll give you that one. Yeah, it's it's bullets at rest. Sorry, I just wanted to get out ahead of that tweet that somebody might have sent. Um. <laughs> somebody threw a bullet in that chapter, and you didn't talk about it. But yeah, this is this is such a nice, relaxing, just kind of da- some some sweet downtime, and we get to meet like one of my favorite characters, if you can really call um, a small furry animal a character. But uh, oh, yeah. I'm very very glad we get to talk about Oi because Oi is the best. Yeah, well, let's get to Oi because the chapter begins with uh, with Oi waking Jake up. You know, it, it, like it literally is like, "Hey guys, uh, you know, four is fine, but what about five? Does five help? Yeah, five sounds good. Let me let me just <laughs> insinuate, <laughs> let me insinuate myself and may give you another mouth to feed." No. Uh, so after the drawing, um, Jake was sick due to the infected spider bite, right? Uh, and Roland gave him some of the Keflex uh, to make him calm down, and so he's just been in this kind of fury of fever dreams and watching his Seiko watch go crazy. He's got like a digital watch that is showing that it's like, um, oh gosh, Smarch the 59th, um, 13 o'clock, stuff like that. I I do (laughs) like that Roland still can't say, he still can't say Keflex. Oh yeah. And he's disgusted with himself that he can't say it. Like he just turns (laughs) away like, I can't say it. Still can't, why can't I do it? Yes, this is going to be really funny later when he uh, when we find out that Roland speaks five different languages and then he's like forgotten some languages yeah, and yeah. You, you, it, like it, it makes not being able to say stuff like aspirin and keflex really really funny to me that he's just like this is this is the line this is his linguistic skills right here like this yep. is it to be fair those those other languages are from countries in his own world he never expected to learn you know the language of Zen or whatever it is well true but yeah. Yeah, Roland he is a competence elemental. He's really good at everything. And yeah. they've probably said that word around him a few times by now. Maybe it's part of the whole shifting worlds thing. But, like, if someone had said the word Keflex to me about 50 times over a couple of weeks, I'd probably know how to say the word Keflex by the end of it. Yeah. You'd probably slow down and really, really kind of, like, just walk slowly through the word to, to, yeah. to, to make sure. Especially if you get, if you get so angry uh, when people correct you on it. <laughs> I watched literally one episode of the Great British Bake Off, and I say "mate" about like fifty times in the next day. So I don't know how Roland hasn't picked all of this up. <laughs> um, oh, mate! Welcome to England, mate. You're gonna fit <laughs> right in. Um, but um, so you know, it's during this recovery that uh, that Oi comes along. This is a Billy Bumper. We talked about them uh, last episode. Somebody wrote in. Um, I don't have the name correct. Um, or, you know, here noted down, but, uh, said that, uh, to them by the description, Billy Bumbler sound like Tanukis, you know, from, uh, uh from, from Japanese yeah. folklore. Yeah, maybe, yeah. 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 Like just, uh, the combination like raccoon dog kind of thing. So that, uh, that's as good a thing as any, that doesn't account for the spiral tail, but then again, I think always meant to be like literally just, uh, engineered by Stephen King to be the best possible animal companion for Jake. <laughs> like a, like a reverse platypus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a hodgepodge of things that Aww. turned out in this case really cool. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I don't want to turn this into adjective suffering, but I Googled it and it's definitely sexy women tanukis. So just go ahead and turn off that Google search right how, away. How does that square away with the, with the uh, aren't tanuki the ones that have uh, the gigantic testicles? Look, I, think, I didn't. I didn't click. I just, it was a small <laughs> thumbnail. I did not make bigger. So it, there could be okay. testicles, Cole. Uh, all right. Okay. I'm not gonna go look. Saw the sexy tanukis. You were like, "Oi, girl." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is um, th- this is a uh, Billy Bumbler that remembers people and actually will mimic. So you know, Jake says, "Hey, boy," and he goes, "Oi," um, and that is that. Now we have our fifth member of the quartet. Um, this is a skinny one, skinnier than the ones they saw before. Um, and also it's been cast out of its pack. Like later on, they notice that like he has some wounds that are healing. Um, and uh, it's probably because he was way, way too talkative for them. Uh, any Anytime an animal like talks back at you like that, mm-hmm. like my dogs do this all the time, of course, because they're, they were trained in Southern Louisiana. And I don't know if you guys know this in Southern Louisiana, all dogs talk. Um, so this is, this was, it felt like really coming home for me is just finding a, like this raccoon dog that could talk <laughs> back to me. Um, not, not serious about that at all. Obviously. No, I was, uh, was going to say like, is there something about the breeders down there? They get them started like crazy early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> this, like enrolling this, this, your preschooler in Mandarin classes. You got to get them ready. He, we have Montessori dog school down here. Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, I really love this. Like this, you're immediately bonded to anything that can talk, right? Or that can make weird noises or, or something like that. So like this thing that kind of repeats back what you say at it. And it's, it's really kind of funny. And it just, it's kind of hesitant to deal with Jake. Like it's kind of wary, but not quite. It's mm-hmm. just really, really charming. And I, I, you just, I don't know about y'all, y'all but I, I fell in love with Oi almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I'm kind of it, it does speak to like Jake being you know much more innocent than for example someone slightly older because I would have tried to teach it swears like, oh well almost immediately <laughs> well but oh, boy boy um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, immediately first thing if you, you've never been to like if you've been to the zoo and they've got parrots and you go down and you sit there going bollocks bollocks <laughs> bollocks go on bollocks and you walk away and they go hello you I know you can talk. <laughs> I know you understand me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting angry in the middle of the zoo and people look at like that parrot can talk. I yeah. know it can. It just won't. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to say one of the things that uh, is endearing about it is that he does swear because he is a mimic. Um, he will often repeat just the like the last syllable of whatever was said before. And because this is a Stephen King book, um, oftentimes that last syllable is going to be a, you know, a, a, a four letter word. So I think at one point he says ass. A couple times, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at one point, a couple times, yeah. Um, so yeah, just a, it's you know, it's that same appeal of teaching a, a a kid who's way too way too young to know what it means how to swear. It's like, hey, say fuck, fuck. <laughs> As a colossal child, I did enjoy that ass line way way more than I think I should have. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> stupid dog. It's it's so so. Here's the thing. Um, uh, for my read throughs on this, I'm partially going back and re-listening to the audiobooks because you know sometimes it's just better to listen to it in the car. It, it's easier to fit it in. Um, and so I'm listening to the Frank Muller version of this. Um, and in my head, whenever Oi talks, it was almost exactly what um what Jeremy just did, like the really high pitched because he's a little guy, right? At least I I, mm-hmm. I read him as little guy. So in like little. Little dogs, they don't make like gruff sounds really unless they're barking. But no, he definitely goes oi, like it's like a, it's like a little unhappy sailor dog, is is the way it goes ass. 
<laughs> yeah, I do the I do the high pitch thing in my in my head, but uh, Stephen King goes out of his way to, to say that it sounds like a slightly I think he says a uh, an English footballman with a cold. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think is how he describes it, right? Like, and it's yeah. it just seems like such a weird note, like that. I guess that like that oi thing. Which I, I don't know why I'm doing that when Patty's in the room. So <laughs> sorry, Patty. Oi, oi, that's it. Yeah, no, I hear him as high pitched yeah. as well. Like it's more of a oi, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, d- d- yeah, I mean, really, just to like to to, to hammer home the cuteness, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he's a little scruffy little, just a scrappy little, just a just a good boy. Yeah, just a really good little boy. Boy, boy. boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it has two syllables. It's 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 adorable. But yeah, like he he is very much a part of the group, and like from this point forward, pretty much Jake will always, you know, when he's anxious, kind of reach down and just like you know stroke always fur you know, kind of as a way to soothe almost like they are, they're bonded like immediately, even though, you know, at this point he just feeds him some food, you know, gives it, gives it a little scrap of gunslinger burrito. Um, but Roland says like, yeah, he's going to come back cause you fed it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not opposed to having a Billy Bumbler around because as we're going to find out in book four and a half, uh, Billy Bumblers are incredibly good luck. Boy saves our lives several times actually. So, well, he says that right here too. He says like one of my old, um, I can't remember. It wasn't. I can't remember the the the, the occupation of the guy, but he says that like my old, you know, horse guy or whatever. Like my, my old <laughs> concrete guys. Oh, the groom. Yeah, the groom. grooms yeah, and fishermen. Yeah, so, yeah grooms and fishermen yeah, always lie. <laughs> always lie. Yeah, I, I remembered fishermen, but I couldn't remember groom. Yeah. But yeah, he, he says that they were. You know. He, oh yeah, he always said that they were good luck, especially you know, and they could be trained to do all these crazy things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, um, Oi is great. Big thumbs up for Oi. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so they're continuing into Midworld, and they start seeing some just kind of signs of the way life kind of used to be mirrored with the way that it actually is. So, you know, they see the skyline of the city coming in more clearly. We're going to get a lot more detail about that later um, after they meet some people. Uh, They also see mutated bison um, and the river send itself. Um, Again, mutated bisons, they're muties. Um, They're not threaded stock just because of whatever cataclysm racked this land you know fucked up their genes and they also see you know as they get into uh civilization these burned houses right and roland has noticed that people are watching them um along with oi kind of keeping up with them um so yeah <laughs> like something is not exactly right because these are houses that have been, that have been burned recently and they're pretty wary of what might be coming after them after uh, uh... A hurricane went through uh, Louisiana like a couple of years afterwards. I drove through one of the areas that hit, and like people hadn't really moved back to that area. And this is this is what I when reading it this time. This is what I went back to because mm-hmm. there were just like abandoned houses and like destroyed trailers on the side of the road, and nobody around, and the whole place was empty. It was just like hot, and mosquitoes were everywhere. Mm. And it's like this is what like it's just vivid in my mind of a place being abandoned like that, and how creepy and scary it is. And Roland describes the uh, the sensation of someone watching you as shade going over your face in a sunny day. Mm-hmm. And I, I can mm-hmm. totally like that just creeps me out even thinking about it. Right. Like when, as they're walking through and they're see, seeing these buildings and they're they're all burned down. And I think at some point Susanna starts like having these kind of not visions, but almost memories of like what had, had happened here. And you see what it was versus what it is. Just yeah. it gives me the heebie jeebies. Y'all it really does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially when they get into, into town itself, like Susanna is just like looking through and seeing it in its heyday almost. 
Yeah. Um, but something happens, um, particularly with Roland and Susanna being a very keen observer notices that, you know, now that he has been with people for a while and especially as they are getting ready to, you know, deal with, I mean, quite literally the first other humans that they have seen besides each other for months and months, Susanna kind of says, Hey, this is what he was like before. Here's a, here's a, here's a quote from it. This is the way he was when he, when he still had wars to fight and men to lead and his old friends around him as they're like talking about the game plan and saying, Hey, Jake, uh, you know, get out your Luger. Um, you guys watch over to this side. Like Roland is settling in as like this leader and this person who is trying to like cover all the angles, um, as they prepare to meet new people. And like, that is something that we're going to see out of this as Roland kind of goes from being this, you know, um, lone traveler, uh, that we have known pretty much for these first two and a half books into kind of the diplomatic core of this party, right? The first half of this book really seems to feel like it's Roland coming into his own uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like learning how to do this again. Go ahead, Patty. Yeah. No, same thing. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of see him. I mean, to be fair, even up to like getting Jake through the door in the last part, you know, Roland's not exactly been quite himself for any of it. You know, he's had the bite on the hand, for instance. He's, you know, he's down a few fingers. He's been feverish. He's been broken and for a large part of the last book he was sort of having the weird double voice in his head and he wasn't quite there i think this is the first time we see him really sort of coming back to life almost mm -hmm. after his long his long wanderings you know and it's since he was last around lots of people you know we're seeing well, well like susanna says this is how he used to be you know this is this is why the gunslingers were so respected because this is how they carry themselves they're leaders they you know they're they're kings of men and where they walk men tremble mm-hmm there's a there's a line a little bit later on where uh, someone thinks I think it's Su actually Susanna thinking about Roland again and he, she says something that uh, this is the way he was before he before the great waste before the great desert made him turn inward and become strange mm -hmm. which mm, just I love is, that so much it, I mean it's it's such a great line like it's just one of those like he, he you have nothing to do but look inward and it just makes you fucking weird <laughs> like, you <laughs> yeah. can't talk to people anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna be one of those guys, right? That you see on the street like talking to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, Roland is doing. I get that way after a long weekend when I realize that I haven't left the house and I think, oh God, no, no, the tendencies are back. Um Roland has been going for basically millennia at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's that crazy guy that walks up to you in the middle of the road and he hands you a leaf with some meat inside and says, Do you want a burrito? <laughs> <laughs> and of course you take it. <laughs> Of course you, you take, take it. it. You, if you, you tend to eat and you go, mmm. <laughs> if you don't have room in your life for a mystery burrito, I'm sorry that your heart is dead. <laughs> Look, over there, there's some old bacon in a fire. And then run when he's distracted. <laughs> <laughs> that ought to hold him for at least three poops. <laughs> so, King! So... <laughs> So this amalgamation of kind of burned buildings leads into uh, what appears to be kind of an abandoned ghost town, which is I realize is a redundancy in terms. But this is what Susanna looks around and kind of sees, you know, ar around this kind of center intersection that has a marker um, that points to um, a city of Ludd. Right. So 160 wheels like, oh, that's just our way of saying something like miles. Don't worry about it. Our author decided we needed a new word for that. Um, and, uh, something that I love about this is that, okay, so city of Lud, 
that's the city that we've been seeing. Um, the, the king immediately turns around and has Eddie say, I don't know. It doesn't sound so great. Rhymes with crud. Okay. So like, yes, that, right. that, that that is an incredibly Eddie thing to say. However, imagine recording this podcast without knowing it was called Lud and us having a conversation about whether or not it should be, it, should, it, it is lewd. Oh, like if it had the, the, uh, the umlaut on top of it and a we're little- trying to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so, so we're going to get there. And we're going to realize, oh, yes, this is obviously like it, it's derived from like Luddites. Right. But I love that they that, <laughs> that he worked it into a rhyme so we would know how to pronounce it without having like a sidebar off to the right that says, you know, Lud with, I don't know, the short or the, or the long U sound. I guess it'd be a short U sound. Mm. It's a very edgy I thing to say it. as well. Like you say, it's, it's very like uh, mm-hmm. poopy word. Yeah. Kaka. Um, <laughs> and it's him getting getting his anxiety out because again they are sitting in the middle of this in the middle of this town <laughs> trying to discern the meaning of this graffiti on the far side that says pubes die <laughs> <laughs> i really like that uh eddie the crud line too instead of jake because like from the get-go jake is just so incredibly more mature than eddie ever has been <laughs> he's just like jake is just not the one to make those kind of jokes no no it is it is not his jam. Yeah. But um so they see this graffiti, uh, which is going to be uh what's going you know, we're gonna see its uh twin, its counterpart later. Um and Roland decides, okay, enough of this sham. I know this town is full of people. And Susanna's like, No, as he picks up a rock and throws it at this, you know, at this box in the center of town. That's a traffic signal. Hey. That's re I love that. That's really cool that this Admittedly, it's obviously a, a thing from times long gone, but it was busy <laughs> enough to need a traffic signal. Yeah, and like, usually you, you, you see Ghost Town, and like you, you kind of have this vision of like you know, maybe ten, twelve houses, uh, a, a shed somewhere, a horse place, a horse place. Yeah, what do they call those? A, 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 yes. a, a hostelry, stable, stable. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> call it a horse place. That's fine. You know, I love it. <laughs> A drinking place, one of those maybe. A, a place where people mm-hmm. do sleep. Yeah, it's, it's called a it's called a beer house is what you're looking for. A beer house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a sleepatorium. Yeah, a sleepatorium. <laughs> Usually above the beer house. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but I love that this is it's technological, but it is not overly so, right? Like Eddie comes out and says, "Oh, it's like a Keystone Cops traffic signal." You know, referencing that old, I guess, like what film series something i recognize keystone cops but that's that's about it um it's not like a traffic light which would have been immediately identifiable but like this this pins it at a particular period of time where this could have been you know still old west without electricity but this just happens to be powered by some kind of clockwork yeah i love it when uh the, the, all of this mechanical breakdown that happens in midworld this mm-hmm. is super good to me like it's not even fancy computers or um you know w- weird organic bear machines <laughs> they sound like they come from metal gear solid it's like even just like the basic mechanical stuff just like it kind of works but it also like makes weird noises and like and it's kind of <laughs> bad at the same time is really good <clears throat> i kind of hope that it would work sort of in the same sort of things happening to that that's happening to jake's watch you know you'll 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 hit the the sign and it will go go then go again then go a third time then stop four times in a row then back to go that that would explain the pile of horse skeletons beneath it (laughs) (laughs) you mean an equine graveyard yeah (laughs) 
So, <laughs> so the sound uh, causes everybody to come out. And, like, this is a town of people who know how to hide, but they are not on their guard at all. In fact, in their opening, you know, kind of uh, salvo, the first people who come out, there's a woman whose eyes are gone. Um, but yeah, like out comes a man with a huge sombrero. This is, this is Sai, uh, not to be confused with S-A-I. Thank you, Sai. This is just S-I. Very confusing. Um, and then a woman, like I said, whose eyes have kind of been burned out with a brand and her name is Mercy. And like immediately this entire town goes apeshit because Roland greets them on the high speech and they see the gun and they realize, hey, here's a gunslinger not everything is terrible um yeah like i they see these people as as hope you know there's the we'll find more about this later but they have so many people come past and try to ruin their town and these are the mm-hmm. first people that probably haven't in centuries well not centuries but decades and decades you know long long years mm-hmm. um and I, it's just just nice to see just how happy they all are almost <laughs> immediately yeah well, their their leader comes out, so they're they are led by uh, somebody who's named Aunt Talitha, um, and upon determining that hey, this is an actual honest to god gunslinger, she makes a decree to the entire town, um, saying, "Behold, ye, the return of the white." After evil ways and evil days, the white comes again. This is not the first mention of the white that we've seen. Um, hmm. This was, I believe, back during Jake's vision in the empty lot. Um, that, you know, a mention of the white, you know, this force of good, right? White um, indicating purity in this case. Um, and like Talitha is just, again, head over heels saying like, yes, um, here we go. And Roland is, I think, trying to encourage this. Like he has fallen into his role as a diplomat and straight up saying, hey, our quest, you know, where, where, where we are headed is for the tower itself. And they're like, yeah, that's a terrible idea, but we'll give you some food anyway. Well, and most of the people don't even know that what the tower is. Like when he says he's no. headed toward the dark tower, uh, Talitha or Talitha says like, "Oh, oh man, that's bad." But everyone else is like <laughs> looking around, like, "What? What did he say?" <laughs> like literally, we only know blood. The, she makes the sign of the evil eye towards the tower, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, like, down nope. the path of the beam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, don't even. Well, it, it it almost seems like it's a little point of conflict as well because you know Roland says, "Hey, that is our ka." You know, again, our destiny, our duty, and then she turns around and calls it black dog ka. You know, like yes, this is like well, your destiny is a, is a bad omen, and she she knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, just by and Roland instantly just is like, "Yep, yep, sure enough, black dog ka." Yep, <laughs> why not? Um, but yeah, like they offer to break bread. They offer some kind of tribute by taking them again to this church, the church of the blood everlasting, which is it metal? Is it metal or is it bloodborne? That's the uh, yeah. quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many eyes uh, did you go? <laughs> how many eyes? <laughs> well, um, they're down two because of, uh, because of mercy. Um, it's not bloodborne. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, there may, maybe the eyes are on the inside. Um, yeah, but, um, <laughs> it, upon going into the church and going out back, they realize that the ghost town is just a front, like the inside of this building and probably most of the others, um, are all well taken care of. Like, these are not people who live in squalor, like they have camouflaged their town in order to keep these harriers away to try and pass, to try and pass below notice. Right. And I think that is great. It's so damn. This clever. just sounds exhausting to do, right? Like every time someone like rolls through town, you're like, "Oh crap, we have to leave that broken, or else we're not gonna 
Well, I think the important thing is to divorce yourself of the stuff at the front and mm. just, just like think of think of the the hidden bit as the yeah. town and think of the outside mm-hmm. bit as as the the turtle shell maybe that, that protects the the soft squishy interior yeah. of the town. Make it look crappy enough that no one cares. It's a it's a variation on what happens at the end of Blazing Saddles, by which I mean the song and dance number. Okay, <laughs> I don't really remember Blazing Saddles that well, but I was like, isn't that pretty racist? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> was it the time they said the N word five times? <laughs> I like Blazing Saddles a lot, and it's really oh, subversive. No, no, it, couldn't make it. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. I, it's just been a long time since I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as they're going in, they see another uh, piece of graffiti, "Death to Greys." So all of a sudden, we're getting a we're, we're getting a sense of what this is. No bango skank yet, but death to pubes and death to greys. And we're going to find out what that is um, over this, let's say Tolkien esque dinner that they have. Yeah, uh, I'd yeah. say that. Yeah, <laughs> like what would happen if uh, if, if if Tolkien and uh, what's his name, uh, Brian Jocks uh wrote uh, like collaborated to come up with a meal scene that's kind of what we have here like this is basically their first appearance at rivendell <laughs> yeah yeah but um i mean the people there are really old i mean you know like <laughs> yeah, they're really old <laughs> they don't have the benefit of being elves but they are very old <laughs> but yeah at least there was no lemon cakes that's that's what always frustrates me about the the over over description of food in fantasy stories is this constant liver cakes and uh was it eel pie in the game of thrones books it's like lampreys <laughs> or something i oh, think yeah yeah, lampreys, yeah. Pie. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was something sounds gross yeah <laughs> the snakes of the sea and they have no they, they have no business existing in my world lampreys literally the creatures in the science books that we would open up and like show to people to gross them out <laughs> oh well well let's go see if anybody's drawn some porn about them hey google oh, no. what's up <laughs> did you say did you literally just put, type in lamprey porn jeremy <laughs> no i just just, just he didn't lamprey. need to it's his home page <laughs> yep <laughs> that's it i don't know oh my god this is horrible why am i looking at this oh my god these are awful awful yeah. awful awful i'm Terrible. so sorry i'm so sorry their mouths are horrifying things little... we talk about. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why you why you do that to yourself. Um... Someone on the internet enjoys it, don't they? So, well, you know, it t- 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 takes all kinds. Um, but yeah, they've got the spread in front of them. That they've got some graph, um, and this is the first time that I actually made a note of what graph is because we hear about that a lot in the next book. Uh, graph is apple beer, and that sounds delicious to me. Like almost cider, yeah, almost not like quite. That. Yeah, it sort of sounds like it's sort of sweet, almost like a scrumpy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like a like like a, a, a gosh, a rattler or something like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Um, mm-hmm. But they share some details. You know, Jake says, "Oh, I'm from far, far away. Like that's why my clothes are weird." Um, but the important thing here is to talk about lud, which rhymes with crud, and the grays and the pubes. And here we get a good deal of exposition out of the way um, so that when we get into LUD itself, we're able to, you know, actually get some action, um, you know, a- a- action across. But this is all historical context uh, that basically just amounts to, hey, you remember the game Fallout? Well, that's in this book now. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, <laughs> was the first Fallout out when this book came out? I'm just trying to remember no. what the sequence of events are. Not this, yet. This was okay. 1990. First Fallout would have been in uh, 1997, I think. Yeah, God, but it, really? I thought it was earlier than that. No, no. Um, it was based on Wasteland, which I think was out around this point. I don't think. Okay. I, I think that King is probably more pulling from Mad Max at this point. Would be my yeah. Would would be my mm-hmm. estimation. But um, so this is all kind of preceded by talking about Lord Perth, who is this mythical figure um, from around uh, this, uh, the, the, you know, these parts. I think even Roland knows of it a little bit. You know, somebody who found a, an amazing mechanical flying bird and crashed. We're going to find out more about Lord Perth later on because that is fucking weird. Um, but um, it is supposed that one of the descendants of Lord Perth uh, is leading one of these factions uh, that is kind of running this, uh, you know, the, the, this city. So what happened a long time ago, uh, some kind of civil war broke up the civilization of Lot. Okay. Um, and they make a point um, like in the book of saying, yes, Roland has heard a version of this story several times, you know, countless times and he even lived through it. Um, and try not to extrapolate that to today. Please, listener, reader, John Farson does not exist. <laughs> we, we, we assure ourselves. Um, <laughs> um, but this civil war kind of settled along these two lines. These younger artisans, you know, the city dwellers, um, who ended up being called the pubes because they are younger. Um, and these older outlaws who have been kind of forced from the city, uh, eventually becoming the greys. Doesn't matter now like the pubes and grays because they're old because there is no youth in this, in this world anymore. Um, but the grays had, you know, made this last offensive and mounted up, um, you know, all of their forces and pushed in breaking the pube hold of the city. Um, and as Antalitha says, you know, since the war, since then, uh, the war has guttered like a chimney fire. So centuries ago, probably this huge conflict, you know, in the shell of this city of the old ones and, it never really stopped. It's just been constant fighting ever since. Did you find yourself picking sides already? Because I'm already on the side of the pubes in this conversation. Because <laughs> as, as someone who works in a shop, and it's like, oh, the shopkeepers and owners of the land were like, yeah. no, you don't get to come and take my stuff, carriers, <laughs> yeah. even though you have a cool name. Yeah. Um, we're going to call you Greys. That's not as cool. Yeah. Um, like, I, I just like the idea of just like traders and townspeople coming together and just be like no we live here <laughs> yeah it's my castle yeah i, de- I definitely have more uh, more sympathy for the pubes because i'm also a soft boy you know i would not have been uh i would not have been uh, a, a raider or a laborer you know we all like to think we would have been but right. we all know that we, we'd have been we'd have been a pube right right jeremy how about you I would have been the shittiest pube imaginable. I would have been trying to take all of their stuff. Like I'm, I'm just. I mean, like being honest. Like I've got no skills, right? Like there's no computers anymore, so like I can't do that. Nobody wants to buy water meters because there's no water meters and probably no water, so I can't like do my full time job. So yeah, I'm just going to take somebody else's stuff. Yeah, Patty, give me your stuff. You, I want it. Wait, you would, you would have been a pube or a gray? You would have, you would have been on the gray side. Grays, grays. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, I'm going to say gray. Yeah, sorry. I, I mean, invasion is your whole thing, right? Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it is. Yeah. If you want to really track back to what makes me me, <laughs> remember that chapter of that book they wrote about people who invade other people. <laughs> I, mean, I can't. You won't let me forget. So no, no. It's my favorite burn. <laughs> What's this? I'm sorry. In in the You Died book, uh, the oh, Dark yeah. Souls book written by Kes McDonald and Jason Killingsworth, the chapter about asshole Dark Souls invaders is about Jeremy. Yep. 
<laughs> yep, that's, and, and another guy. I just want to say it's not right, just about right. me. There's a whole other asshole in that chapter. So yeah. Oh, that was yeah. the yeah. I uh, now I remember. Yeah, I I I had well, forgotten I about that. What's that? I remember Jeremy Moore though. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you know him. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so like what do you guys think of this story like on your first read through of this did that like cause all of your hope for this to you know to to, to dissolve like like well, like what's your what's your first estimation of like this conflict uh patty i i mean the the way the way the world has been so far um i i didn't have any hope that Lud would be a bright shining beacon of a place <laughs> i like i knew it would be a shithole like from word one, um, and I, I just like the exposition of how it got to be a shithole because, like, mm-hmm. I I know it, it, it's going to be terrible. Something awful is going to happen there. It's going to be full of horrible, horrible people. If there even are any people left, if it's not just mutants, they're going to be awful people. They're going to hate each other. There's constant fighting, I reckon. And I kind of guessed like the rough how it would end up while they're on the way because mm-hmm. this this is this is Midworld. Everything's moved on. Nothing yeah. is good here. Everything is bad. Um, but yeah, no, seeing like the the, the fight and, and how they described like how they got the names, the greys and the pubes, I thought that was quite clever. Um simple, you know, it makes sense. Uh and now like the, the description as well that the uh the pubes are probably the greys now because <laughs> well, the pubes are now older than the greys, because the greys in general are now younger because more people <laughs> turned up later and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the sides don't matter, the names don't matter, everything's yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, every, everything sucks. <laughs> Plus, I have depression. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you, Jeremy. Um, How Um, how, how about you? What's your what's your reckoning of this? I I I had zero hope for this, right? So, um, because specifically because the okay, so number one, let me let me say this: the first time you read this, up until this book, we don't really have a whole lot of history in Roland's world. Like we we he said a couple of things, and like we've heard like the story of court or whatever, right? Like we know that, but we don't really have a history of the land that we're in. So any morsel of that, I was just gobbling up on my first read through reading it now, I, you know, especially because uh, Eddie is constantly saying like, Oh man, maybe there's something over there. And even Jake at one point is like, Ooh, maybe there's something over there. Uh, <laughs> it, I was like, okay, that's a, that's a possibility. But when they met the nice old people and they got all fed and had, had a bitch, bunch of palaver, I was like, Oh Yeah. It's going to be terrible times up oh, in yeah. that, that city. <laughs> they already had their break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no way we're going to have two rest chapters in a row. Like Stephen King's <laughs> not going to buck that trend. Nope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, especially with the weird God drums and all of that stuff happening at the same time. Like there was a, a, a small, small piece of hope in me when we, mm-hmm. until we met all of these nice people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's some more kind of like grim warning about this, right? Because they say like, hey, you know, Jake, like <laughs> we practically wanted to keep Jake ourselves because there's literally no youth. There's no hope for the future. <laughs> like there's nobody to carry on for us. Um, so you you best kind of keep a lock on that, on, on that sweet, sweet boy, uh, because they're going to take him and basically try to reprogram him is, is uh, you know, is what they say that like they will forcibly recruit him if, if you know, if, if they get the chance. And there's also, yeah, but, and they would just straight up kill. That's what I like. It's like, you're, you're worthless to nobody. So they're just going to execute your ass. <laughs> yeah. They'll straight up kill Roland. Yeah. It's like, and then Eddie's like, wait a minute. <laughs> what about me? Because they talk about, you know, Susanna, <laughs> like this is, this is really bad. Like the implications on this are real grim. 
Yeah, they they it sounds like the people that are left in Lud are horrible feral monster beings who mm. use people like currency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That prison. Jeez. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's not great. Ooh, it's not a good yeah. spot. Um, and they listen to like ZZ Top, so <laughs> trash people as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> ZZ Top's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong ZZ with top Jeremy. Wait, wait, what would you say, Jeremy? Jeremy, there's I said nothing ZZ top wrong with trash, ZZ but I don't top. actually believe it. I'm just, I'm just riling oh. you two up. ZZ Top oh. was literally my first rock concert ever. Okay? Oh, nice. <laughs> they How drove was like that? A, they drove a, it was really good. The, the band Jackal opened for him. I don't know if you know Jackal. Jackal no, used no. to bring chainsaws out on stage and cut wood, which was pretty hilarious. But uh, <laughs> yeah, ZZ Top was great. Hmm. I've got a whole story about th- that concert because the guy, my stepdad that took me and his mm-hmm. buddy that took me looked like ZZ Top. Oh, yeah. So, because one was tall and skinny with the beard and the ponytail, and one was short and fat with the beard and the ponytail. Uh-huh. And so a woman thought that they were ZZ Top, and they pretended to be ZZ Top and got her to lift up her shirt and they <laughs> pretended to sign her breast, which made 13 year old Jeremy say, I'm going to grow a beard immediately. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm all about ZZ Top's not trash. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to chase this ZZ Top steez as far as it goes. <laughs> Yeah, the best way to a woman's heart is through her shirt by pretending to be. <laughs> <laughs> See that that because I saw them about five years ago, um, oh, yeah? five six years ago, and they were just just lovely, adorable, sweet old men yeah. who just sort of tottered around with fluffy guitars, and every now and again they'd stop and do a little dance and then carry on playing their guitar. <laughs> it was yeah. such a nice show in the middle of this big loud metal festival, and you just got these lovely old men just sort of tottering about, looking like absolute dudes. You 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 make them sound so quaint. They were um, lovely. They were so yeah. nice. Maybe it was the oh. heat. It was quite a hot one as well. But I was like, this is great. This let, is just... Let me see bit. here. <laughs> ZZ Top is coming to Ohio. Um, oh, it's uh, yeah. I might actually be able to go to that show in September. And, and the thing is, this is like six, seven years on. They're going to be older and sweeter. Oh, yeah. So, old people just get nicer. Yeah, it's good. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're going to be up there north of Dayton. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get tickets just yet. Uh, right now, their summer tour has them over in uh, has them over in Europe. So sweet. <laughs> it, it, I'm it just is... picturing ZZ Top handing out Weather's Originals candies in between songs <laughs> to the people in the crowd. Fire <laughs> them out of a cannon. Of the East. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, here's a dollar. Go buy a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Go see a Star War. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know the biggest ZZ Top uh, fact, of course, is that if the three members of ZZ Top, uh, two of them have large beards, and the third, the drummer, is called Dave Beard. Yeah, who doesn't mm-hmm. have a beard? Yeah, um, and uh, D- D- Dusty Hill is related to Hank Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> L- literally, that's that that's canonical in King of the Hill. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> is that Dusty Hill is Hank Hill's cousin? Okay, I'm not that familiar with it, but okay. <laughs> we, should, we should probably keep moving. And this has been Sharp Dressed Man Podcast. Yep. I've been your host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, at some point, Jake asks about the trains. Like he says, hey, tell me about uh, tell me about what Charlie the Choo Choo or Blaine or something like that. No, he says Blaine. He just, he just up and says it. Blaine um, the mono, yeah, straight yeah, out. Yeah. And like they're like, oh, how, how do you know about Blaine? Um, and they surmise that, yes, it is, you know, he, he's a mono, he's a monorail, 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 monorail. Um, and yeah, like there were, there, the, 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 the arguing about this, whether there is one or two, uh, they spend so much time talking about whether, like about what direction the train should have run just to set up that like, yes, you're looking for Blaine, but there are two trains that did run and yes, they go faster, faster than the speed of sound. 
for a while, I thought I was reading an algebra book because like they start <laughs> arguing with one another. Like, oh, no, they, you would have never heard anything because it was going 45 miles an hour the opposite direction. There's no way. And she's like, no, 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 you're not factoring in the wind. The wind was really strong that night. It almost blew off the tower, the big yeah. Charlie wind. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's like a small little like, a, oh, gosh, to kill a mockingbird test as like. Uh, what's her name? Mercy. She says, oh, I heard it. You know, I, I heard the boom going in the other direction. And then Roland throws a bullet to uh, t- to Susanna and she hears it and says, oh, you threw this to, you know, you threw, threw this to her. And that's how they decide. She said it was a biscuit. Yeah. What was <laughs> that? Biscuit? biscuit? Yeah. Ah, close enough. Yeah, cl- <laughs> like, literally, they say close enough. Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, like all of this is just to say, okay. Jake was getting premonitions of Blaine, you know, of the significance of the strain um, and whether or not he is a pain well before he came here. And that was part of his final essay. Right. Yeah. On this read through. Right. So on, on this, well, this hurried read through before, because E3 has wiped my mind of all facts. So I had to read the book again. Um, I realized that my, my first read of like Blaine the pain, which is what he says quite a lot. I think the intention is that, you know, pain like a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. I read Blaine the Pain more like the pain from Metal Gear Solid 3. Oh, yeah? Like, just about hurting people. Just full of bees. Like, like a wrestler or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a train and it's covered in bees. <laughs> is, there, is there really a bee guy in Metal Gear Solid Ma- Jeremy. Yeah. Ma- yeah Ma- in, Ma- in, in, he's snaky. There's literally a man who's covered in bees and he has a gun that shoots bees and he can shoot bees out of his mouth and throw bee grenades at you. Yeah, and when oh he gets and when he gets close, the bees swarm around his fists and turn into uh, bee boxing gloves. They do. <laughs> I've only played the good Metal Gear Solid game, so I've never seen oh, this guy before. Oh my god, Jeremy Snake Eater is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just riling Patty okay. up at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I, I, have, I haven't played any of those Jeremy. games, but I, I yeah yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Bee guy. <laughs> bee, bee guy. Bumblebee man. Yeah. How does he make money? I'm, I'm covered in bees. Is, is his whole thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's uh that, that is also a good point that like he he is he is a pain because he is you know we're gonna find out a complete sadist and everybody everybody knows it like it's barely it's barely hidden you know that uh that that, that blaine is going to be a major factor and a major hindrance to them yeah. well and it's this it's at this point where she says something like are you sure you can't go around right and that's where Jake starts like he kind of starts having a serious look with Roland is like, nope, nope, we're going to have to go through. And Roland's like, it's Ka, like, you know, yeah. we have to. Yeah, which we, is we could di- we could divert right. around, but it's uh, it's bad. It's bad technique or something, isn't it? It's a bad habit yeah. to get into if you start diverting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go on, it's, <laughs> it's either that or like later on, he says, yep, if we tried to go around, things would probably um, conspire to make us have to go back on the path of the beam. Like there's no sense fighting it, which is which is kind of where they leave this at the end in in deciding in deciding the way forward at one point uh talitha talks about how forsaken this world is and we get a hint um and by hint i mean a flash and neon sign about something to do with susanna that is going to be really really major for this series um yeah she got a bad tummy ache from the dinner didn't she <laughs> yeah no the uh the the lamprey pie didn't sit well with her. I think maybe the too uh, many um, leaves. Yep, yep. Too, too 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 many muties in the in, in, in the stock. No, her her ha- her hand like rushes to her stomach. So and this yeah, is what could that be? 
<laughs> mm, yeah, this is this is like dealt with like all of the subtlety of like a fucking Mack truck hitting somebody. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I don't get it. Like, this is, is, this the isn't the first thing. <laughs> is that are there any storks in Midworld? I don't get how it works. Is there a different kind of animal that brings the babies in their mouths? Yeah, well, it's two-headed storks. That's why they have twins. Yep. Oh my god! <laughs> Boom! Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I had to go lay down. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like later on when they are kind of recounting um, their story up to this point, and this is later in the chapter, but we might as well mention it now. You know, she says, you know, she omits this part of their story when they get caught up saying, okay, well, I, I'm not getting morning sickness yes, uh, morning sickness yet, and one missed period doesn't really mean anything, is what she's trying to convince herself of. So we're going to be- As a man, I understand that. <laughs> We we're, we're going to be dealing with this for another mm, four books, so just remember uh, just, this, everyone. Write this down. Yep. <laughs> it'll, tummy ache. It'll come up. Tummy ache. Yes. Muty <laughs> mm-hmm. Um And so they get ready to leave. Any any final thoughts about this kind of exposition dump here? Like, what do you think about the way this affected the pacing? You know, was this was this interesting for you, uh, Jeremy? Again, just saying, like, up until this point, we haven't really heard any history of this world at all, besides what's come from Roland. So just gobbling up this as world building as when I was first reading this as a kid and just even reading it now, like it's 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 a real good drip feed of like, what the hell is Midworld? Right. Like what what other details can I glean out of this, even though I've read this book four or five times now? Mm-hmm. I, I just it's it's really fun. I, I like this palaver a lot. I, I love all of these. This, you know, the fact that they hid this like beautiful kitchen like that they had, you know, that they were there's still people like this in the world that there's still goodness in this world that up in this point, like there was just nothing but like horrible shitty people and one weird bear Android that I can't stop bringing <laughs> up for some reason. So it's, this was really nice. Like going out of this and especially this next scene, this next scene kind of chokes me up a little bit. I don't know about you, Patty. Does this get to you at all? It, yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, it will, it will do. But now I just to kind of whiz back to the point. I, I agree. I think this, Place. having all this exposition here is a really good place to have it i think if you'd have learned about lud while there i think it would have had to have been delivered in a bit more of a sort of a sharp and quick manner like oh no there's the pubes no they're bad and then oh no, they're actually bad and boom, 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 boom. like the think the exhibition would have got lost in the action um whereas here because they slowed it down in this chapter and because you've got this just wonderful sort of community of old people that are you know still sort of know the ways of old almost and uh just this nicely just wholesome people Mm-hmm. I think if it had just been a dry dump of just Roland telling them stuff, mm-hmm. that would have been yeah. boring. But I think the fact that it was wrapped around these just this these sort of just sort of pe- old people that have still got their spark, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not they've not given up yet. There's there's still there's still life there. Yeah. Um, they're and they're just, still playing sharp dressed men in Ohio, right? <laughs> they're <Yeah>. still, there's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've they've reached peak old person sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm normally just like constitutionally opposed to exposition. Um, and I think what saves this and you know, hey, I'm, I, I, by this point I'm invested. I'm very curious about this world as, as has already been covered, but like a lot of the information that they're giving, um, provides context and builds anticipation for what we're going to see. You know, it, it builds up this conflict that we're going to get to, but there's still mystery there because like this info is about 26 years out of date. That's the last time mm. any of them were there. And like, we're, we're skipping over a lot of flavor and a lot of, you know, small detail about the way these people interact because they're kind of piecing together 
this history from their own kind of recollections and from, you know, just the, 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 the commonly accepted legend, like who knows how accurate any of this is, or if that's still the case, you know, <laughs> if things have gotten worse or better, you know, taking this back to the, back, back to the first read through, who knows how reliable any of this is. So like, that's what saves this from being incredibly rote to me. Yeah, I think you're right. I, the fact that the old people kind of take turns telling the story and kind of pass each other over and correct each other, you know, it's not, this information might not be particularly reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the twins as well, who are kind of telling the story smoothly one after the other. Let's just hang out here for a second. Bill and Till. <laughs> Bill and Till. Bill and <laughs> Till. An excellent adventure with each other. <laughs> <laughs> They've taken the double dragon naming convention of uh, Jimmy yeah. and Bimmy, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good Till. old Bimmy. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to fight. I had to fight every single time over who got to play Bimmy. Um, <laughs> Were you fighting for or fighting against? <laughs> uh, you know, I, th- I think that uh, the, the the heart of that joke is the ambiguity. <laughs> okay, fine, that's fine. I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin your your, your joke. Your joke. So <laughs> my, I'll, my, I'll back. <laughs> my my, my jape craft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Jimmy and Bimmy do show up again in Double Dragon Neon. That's dripping eighties version that came out a few years ago. Oh yeah. Those like, horrific mm. kind of genetic freaks that you have to fight. It's like, it's Bimmy and Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So the scene that choked it, that, that choked me up as well. So all of us is this departure, you know, this, uh, kind of mm. inverse shame that happens <laughs> a little bit, um, <laughs> which is, you know, they decide like, Hey, we've got to, we, we, we've got to get up the road. And they ask like, Hey, will you come back if you can? And Roland says, oh, well, if we can, um, again, leaving it diplomatically. And Talitha, you know, sends sends him with blessing. You know, they, they, they say their goodbyes and she's about ready to, you know, kneel to Roland. And he says, no, I kneel to you. You know, you're the you're the din of this place. You're the ruler. And she gives him uh, a, a, her cross necklace, you know, made of silver, probably had it all of her life and says, hey, when you get to the tower, please place this at the foot of it and speak my name genuine chills right like that's just uh, such a that's yep. like this woman that's been over that's over 100 years old who has spent her entire life watching her world go to shit mm-hmm. it sees this last one beacon of hope come through of someone that could just infinitesimal chance of actually fixing it that but still has a chance of fixing it and then gives him her talisman like not to make a just really obvious Stephen King reference but right. gives her his tal- her, gives him her talisman and asks him to do this thing with to, to speak her name to sing her name at the tower that's just like at the end of all of things someone's going to say my name is such a mm-hmm. i would imagine such a hugely important thing to this woman yeah. and to entrust Roland to do that i, I just Man, like it, it, like literally giving me shivers. I'm not even lying, <laughs> you know, Like even right now, talking about it, it's giving me like goosebumps. Yeah, Patty. It, yep, I literally can add nothing on that. That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly the same. I'm reading that yeah. with a lump in my throat. Yeah, like this. This is where her story ends, but she can provide her blessing and whatever protection and whatever, whatever bolstering that that talisman will provide. You know, saying, "Hey, to this, the last kind of light that I that I thought." You know, the the last light that came out of a, a quarter of the world that I thought had gone completely dark, you know, let's let's make this happen. Um, yeah, it is it is very powerful. And it speaks to kind of how how important it is that the first real civilization that the Kotet encounters is as hospitable and is as I don't know, 
supportive seems like a like a like a weirdly hollow word for it but like is a reminder of the old you know calling for and waiting for a return of the white um this is momentous you know but it gives them something to fight for right like this all of a sudden all of a sudden there's stakes involved because previous to this like this world was pretty much empty except for the lobstrosities and (laughs) the weird cyborg bear that's three times i'm gonna get to five (laughs) before the end of the episode um like that's the literally the only things that we've seen so far so seeing these people these these incredibly nice and these incredibly simple people live in this life and just trying to continue living their life like not trying to interfere not trying to do anything just trying to literally just keep on living without interference with the outside world gives them a little bit of stake gives the cotet a little bit of stakes yeah. like all of a sudden they have something that they're i think it makes it real for <clears throat> the earth people right like roland <laughs> already kind of had probably had this internalized but the people from our earth or our where or however that you want to say it from our level of the tower had, from our level of the tower had i don't think they had really established this in their minds yet i think that's really going to seal this for the next scene that we're about to get to like that's it just gives it gives them it gives like we had we had a party and we sat down and we had dinner in riverdale and now we've all got a quest <laughs> like right <laughs> yep yeah um and it puts context to this right because jake doesn't want to leave like he says you know why do we have to leave so quickly um you know just why not one more day why couldn't we even just spend the night and and Eddie puts it in perspective, and he hates it because he realizes he's talking like Roland, basically saying, if we stayed, we would have made life better for probably 20 people for a couple of days. Whereas, who knows, it, you know, when we go forward, if we succeed, we can save tens of thousands of people, even more, you know, on top of that. But if they stayed the night... Well, guess what? They wake up in the morning and they realize, well, we need to rebuild this or we need to hunt for more food or we need to replace what we ate or, you know, there would be one more thing and one more thing. Helping on the small stuff would stop them from going forward and helping with the bigger stuff. And I realize in the way that I'm describing this, it makes it sound like an Ayn Rand kind of thing. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> you, 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 you cannot be altruistic because it gets in the way of you being a great enough man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, like, I think that he makes a very good point because they are in a lot of ways just too good and would have, would have gotten bogged down with it. You know? They, yeah. They I, I like the, the, the finish up at the end when, uh, they, I can't remember who it is that says it, that says, uh, you know, leaving today, you know, it, it never would have been any easier to leave mm-hmm. than today. Harder maybe, but never easier. Right. So the longer they stay there, the more attached they'll get to the people and the less they <laughs> want to move on, you know, you, you spend, a few weeks around these wonderful old people. It's like, oh, we'll go soon. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll hang out a bit more with these wonderful, just lovely old people made of made of Werther's originals. <laughs> yeah, these these Werther's originals columns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like this because it's obvious that Eddie has definitely broken up with chicks in his lifetime, right? Like he's, he's learned the, learned the lesson of like, okay, you can't stretch it out. You can't just do the drift and not answer a phone call or, or whatever. Like you actually have to have the conversation with somebody that you don't want to hang out with them anymore. Like yeah. you have to do it. Sever you just bra. have to move on. Sever, yo. Sever. <laughs> I can't bring myself to say bra even unironically. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah um they have to leave and again i say this is a reverse shane because it is it is not you know a kid from the town calling after them saying hey please stay you know the kid is the one who is leaving under protest kind of calling back but being stopped you know the kid is the one who's being forced to walk away 
Yeah, and then we get to the ZZ Top. We get confirmation as Eddie is sleeping that night, um, thinking and anticipating. It's like Christmas. It's like Christmas Eve because he knows that he's going to wake up and take the biggest dump of his life. Such <laughs> <Touch>, wonderful <laughs> Which, color. Yeah, I mean, Such I remember reading incredible... this as a as a teenager and thinking like, oh, that's Eddie, you're so gross or whatever. Or like now as a 35 year old man, I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> got yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What does he say that after a, after months or weeks of eating just like bits of old deer and crapping out rabbit turds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just that one satisfying, just big dump. Yeah, it's oh. uh, to, to 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 feel human again, to feel the after effects of plenty. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to sound like an 18th century like decadent writer, uh, <laughs> but boy, are you succeeding. <laughs> 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 anyway but as he's laying there thinking about the uh the the, the, the bounty ahead um he hears the god <laughs> he hears the god drums again and he has this epiphany he realizes oh that's a that's a rock and roll backbeat like all it's missing is the guitars um and he says oh that's that's zz top's velcro fly and jake says uh that's a weird name for uh for, for a song and Susanna's like what's velcro and roland's like what's a song <laughs> <laughs> and always, and always like, just says oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. but this is the point where i say some people have noticed it and i really appreciate it when they uh when they when they call it out but the intro to the song or the, the intro to the song the intro to the podcast is the drums from velcro fly um with an air raid siren put over top of it um, and with a little bit of like guitar noodling around it. But if you didn't realize that, like, yes, what you are hearing is what, you know, plays at nighttime at Ludd. I'm a, I'm a little I bit embarrassed. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Thank God. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I, I don't know why I've never, after, you know, 20 something years of reading this book, I never just like bothered to Google or to look up what Velcro fly sounded like. Because mm-hmm. it's mentioned in the book several times, especially this book. Never, just never got around to listening to this song. So I remember when you released, I think the first pilot episode i was like hey man that's some really good me- what what is that what's that intro and you were like uh jeremy duh it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh no was that really that shitty i'm so sorry i think that was your exact words and phrasing yes because you're <laughs> such a shitty guy cole <laughs> okay, no no jeremy. that wasn't that wasn't your that wasn't your you weren't like that at all but like mm-hmm. that was just what i felt like i was being like why have i not why did i know this but now that patty doesn't know it too like i'm i'm, I'm a, yeah. okay I was I was three minutes away from Googling it before we started recording. I'm like, maybe I'll just look it up just quickly and see what it sounds like. You would have had your own Eureka moment, yeah. Christ. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a pretty cool song. The like the video is as cheesy as possible. Um it's got some really some really bad visual effects and overlays. Has a weird like Egyptian theme to it. Um but yeah, oh, it's good. A, of course. Good. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a good <laughs> song. Cheesy as fuck. I'm sure, I'm sure they took a lot of care to make sure that the that, that Egyptians were represented very well in this it, rock and roll video. It's it's mostly them just kind of like fucking around and playing a song, but like it's in the um it's in like the, they're like hier- hieroglyphic superimposed on stuff. It's very strange. Yeah. Okay, I I, w- I would encourage you to watch it because like ZZ, ZZ Top's video work is amazing, um <laughs> for for that era. Um, but yes, that is that is indeed the god drums that Eddie pictures the cannibals, you know, cavorting under. Um, and Jake, meanwhile, as Eddie is rocking out, um, has a dream of him trying to shield Oi from being run down by Blaine, you know, this, this, this bullet train that is coming after him. Um, so I think Jake's in a good place. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I find it really interesting that part of this dream, the way he, like the, the train is coming down and Oi jumps in front of it as if he's trying to protect Jake and then Jake has to run over there and like grab up Oi. Like, I think that's really powerful. Like I think that's a, that's a really good dynamic that they're, they're kind of creating between the two characters just with a simple dream, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty easy narrative device. So this, yeah. this is very good. It's an easy device, but they used, used it well. Yeah. So they reach in their overlook and they determine, well, um, joy of joys, uh, what we are seeing in the bridge that leads into Lud, you know, is described as being like a spider web in the sky. Well, hot damn, it is the George Washington Bridge, or at least something that looks an awful lot like it. Um, it is kind of listing, you know, some of the some of the supports have snapped, but this fills Eddie with hope. But the others are, you know, kind of not having it. Even though Roland says, "Ah, it's never bad to hope," ah, he's hopeless, and then walks on. Yeah, I'm, the the bridge, like the fact that it was portrayed as being knackered immediately in my head it's like don't go on that bridge <laughs> don't, don't don't the killer don't. is upstairs don't go upstairs don't put the phone down <laughs> don't don't go on the don't go they're gonna go on the bridge like <laughs> they're gonna go on the bridge doesn't matter how many other options they look at they, they're going over that bridge and something goddamn terrible is going to happen to them on that bridge yeah no it's uh it's not gonna be good uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that next chapter, but again, we're getting this we're getting the sense that you know Lud is if not New York itself, you know, a city that is New York's twin, right? Mm. Again, we are in this we're in this kind of situation where oh, they're calling up Icarus. We're hearing ZZ Top's song at one point. Roland says, "Well, you know, there are doors. Who's to say that other doors haven't brought the stuff in before?" But like on my first read through, I was still very much of the opinion that. Like what we were seeing was actually like remnants of America. Like it was post the stand kind of stuff, you know, multiple uh, millennia on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. I can anymore. definitely see that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was kind of like with Dark Souls, like every, you know, after the first one, every city that had flying buttresses became Anne Orlando to me. Um, even on <laughs> that instinct didn't just start with Dark Souls. It was here where I was like, okay, I was actually echoing Jake's concern. Like, wait a minute, why would New York City be in Kansas? Or why would it be in Missouri? It's like something True. that he says out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And I, I like this moment, too, because he says, uh, you know, why would this be in Missouri, which is from his dream? And, and Eddie's like, excuse me? And he says, I mean, I'm at Midworld. I'm sorry. And he's like, how the, how the hell did you know it was Midworld? I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> which, I mean... It's 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 just a really good moment because it makes the reader realize because the reader knows everything obviously because we're yeah, you know yeah. we're reading all of the stuff as it happens but it's it and I it even took me back a little bit on the on another on this most recent read that these characters haven't actually had the, this conversation yet right like they haven't they haven't no. like shared all of their stories together so there's a moment very early on in this chapter where Jake says um, he wouldn't consider them his friends yet because he calls them in his head his traveling companions. And it was a, a moment to, for realize like he doesn't actually know any of these people. Like he knows Roland a little bit and Roland killed him in about five minutes. <laughs> so like <laughs> he just knows that he has to do this thing. So like they're not like super good friends just yet. And I yeah, I, I, just that, that one moment of like, how do you know it's Midworld? Which is really, <laughs> really solid for me. Yeah. <laughs> totally um so this conversation that you're alluding to is one that they haven't had because roland has wanted to create room for jake to heal right he was just pulled traumatically into this world you know this horrible birthing process 
again. And whenever they started to compare notes, Roland would just kind of like subtly move them away from it. But now, you know, now that they have a full stomach, it is time for them to get caught up. And so we sit down for this sharing of history, for this kind of sharing of Kef, right? Which is Roland's word for water, you know, this psychic melding as they share their stories up to this point and also learn a little bit about what it means to be Katet. So Roland says, hey, you probably noticed that you can hear each other's thoughts. And like, wait a minute, no. <laughs> what? And, <laughs> and then he points out all these times where... And his immediate they, reaction of, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll notice none of our mouths are moving right now. No. <laughs> but he points out all these times where they communicated, but nobody's mouth was open. <laughs> Oh God! What if Roland this entire time was just a shitty ventriloquist? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! He's pretending he's a wizard. <laughs> oh no! Uh, so, um, and something weird about this that not not a whole lot is done with is that Roland is only a partial member of this quartet because he is not from their world. Um, Oi may or may not be a part of the quartet because again he is not human, but he is from Midworld. I think he just kind of like extends the extends the benefit of the doubt to Jake so that he could feel like his pet belongs. But we're going to find out. <laughs> Oi is very much a part of the content. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. Um, I did. I think just to get back a bit, I, I, did, I really enjoyed Roland telling them of all the times that he shouted things at them with his mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that time I told you to let go of that sex demon. <laughs> really? And that time, Eddie, I told you to, to, to shoot. And he went, you screamed out at me. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> It's like, do, do you remember that time that there was only one set of footprints? That was the lobstrosity <laughs> chasing us, and I had to pick your ass up to run. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the end of Ocean's Eleven or the end of Saw, <laughs> right? Like just where you get the quick yeah. cut montage of the actual killer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, by saying that, maybe 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 Roland is just a shitty ventriloquist because he uh, tells Jake to pull the other one. Oh. Hmm. Which is something we use as, you know, a, a, a thing to say, yeah, whatever. You're, you're having a joke with me. Yeah. Huh. Hey, there is no bullet trick. Maybe this string. <laughs> maybe Roland's just a complete charlatan. And this is all just like written from his, maybe he wrote the book to make the, himself look cool. Ooh, things get things do get a little bit of Wizard of Ozzy later on. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this section of the book kind of recovers a lot of stuff that we've already talked about. A lot of things we've already read as they, <laughs> it's basically one of those sections in like an adventure game where they give you a little quiz to make sure you've been paying attention to the story. Um, <laughs> that you then fail. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because you're not paying attention. Come on. Um, <laughs> so like Roland shares his vision with Walter um, and we see these connections forming, you know, uh, even at the start because he describes, you know, the single blade of purple grass, which fires off synapses for Jake as he describes his own experience with the rose and the purple grass in uh in, in the uh oh gosh in in the lot right and Susanna recognizes the ageless stranger as another name for Merlin uh we'll talk about that at the very end of the podcast um not this episode but the very end of the of the series because it is debatable debatable whether or not the the ageless stranger actually shows up <laughs> see you in 4 years everyone yep I mean, 2019. That's when the show Hold ends. your tweets. Hold your tweets. <laughs> yep. Hold yeah. your tweets for two more years. Stick it in drafts now. 
Yeah. Just go to RadioFreeMidWorld.com slash contact and uh, Cole, just hold on to those for five years. Yeah, no big no, deal. No big deal. Uh, include include a, something that I can search on because I assure you I will not keep that in a folder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like Eddie shares his jawbone vision and talks about, you know, his dream of going into Tom and Jerry's artistic deli, like essentially saying that, yes, for all that time leading up to the final drawing, both Eddie and and Jake were sharing the same dream, you know, Caribbean queen. Yes. Um, huh, I, I thought that would get more of a reaction. I, what? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, it was a, the, the Billy Ocean song, Caribbean Queen. Ah, Pearls Before Swine. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Cole. No, it's fine. What's a Billy Ocean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Billy Bumbler, but it's like a fish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, Ooh. okay. A mimic fish. Um, and it yeah. goes like, oi, but also blub. Yeah. <laughs> and also blub. <laughs> um, Susanna, <laughs> Susanna shares her own kind of experiences, but le again, leaves out. This is where we learn that she's Mr. Period, but is not yet morning sick. I about said motion sick, and that'd be really weird. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where they talk about the bear again, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Jake has the, the Jake's the one that, that twigs Eddie's memory that, oh, wait, yeah, Shardick, that was the one written by Richard Adams who did the Watership Down book. And Eddie's like, oh, yes, the rabbit book. I, it was, that's why. Right on the tip of my tongue. And, and, and uh, Eddie also says when he when he put his ear up against the uh, uh, against the portal, he had the vision of the house on Dutch Hill, you know, the one that turned out to be the mm -hmm. demon. Right. So all of this is connecting. You know, Roland even says, you know, you you should not be surprised to find that your lives have intersected um you know in in some unexpected ways um and they all kind of determine that at the very center of their quartet is this uh this vacant lot they all know the poem you know see the turtle of enormous girth um and jake thinking that he had a dream in saying yes the you know the rose was glowing on the inside it was more yellow than anything i'd ever seen yes it does contain suns it contains all the suns which that's a bit of a leap for roland to take but he's the one who was sent into space by a wizard so <laughs> that's a really you know if somebody has asked you what this podcast is about you should say oh we're just talking about the story of a man who was sent into space by a wizard and either and say you have a destiny podcast and you're saying no 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 no, no. this is this is the dark tower <laughs> oh, oh, destiny the wizard comes from space mm. <laughs> no, nobody cares about destiny lord patty don't correct me on this <laughs> please don't at me at jeremy yeah, at, yeah tell at you me for your destiny <laughs> <laughs> um, And So the final big detail that they share, again, is when Jake produces the Charlie the Choo Choo book. All of them agree, yes, Charlie is a son of a bitch. Those kids are screaming in anguish. Um, and everybody <laughs> but Roland knows this because not only did both Susanna and Eddie have this book as children, it was probably this very same copy. Because... Contact! <laughs> Sorry, it's like that. Can I put it like a little audio sting under that? Maybe, For yeah, content. maybe that's it. Every, every time there's a stupid coincidence, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like the um, uh, what is the what is the rest of development joke like, Mister West or whatever. <laughs> oh no, Mister Mister F. Mister F. Sorry, that was I was thinking of Kanye. So never mind. Let me oh. let me rewind that. <laughs> okay, I thought you were thinking of Adam West. I got I got sad. Um, uh, yeah, rest in peace. 
Yeah. I, I like this because uh, number one, we don't see the word 19 or the number 19 mentioned anywhere. So we know that <laughs> Stephen King hasn't rewritten this book yeah. to make 19 the, the big coincidental, coincidental number to match um, some stuff that's going to happen in the future. But also like this actually feels legitimately kind of cool. Like we knew this, but the characters kind of understanding exactly what's happening. And Eddie's Eddie is specifically like he starts this and says like, there's no way that any of this is, is true. Like this is all like we have, we're not doing any of this. <laughs> and <clears throat> Roland compares him to Guthbert about, uh, or Cuthbert or whatever, uh, saying like, you know, he, he didn't believe in ghost until he could catch one in his teeth. Mm-hmm. And Eddie's transition from totally, d- totally disbelieving everything to by the end of like, yep, I'm all in. This is content. <laughs> we're all sharing each other's thoughts and dreams. And everybody's had the same stuff. We all know each other from weird lives. Like this is all connected. Let's go. It's really, really strong for me. Like yeah. that, that, the way the way that Eddie is just turned not turned around but almost like confirmed like in like yeah. that that weird Christian ceremony that people do sometimes like he's actually yeah. like he's it's almost like he has come to completely believe in this and I mean not almost like he has yeah <laughs> come yeah. to completely believe in this. It, 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 you know like so Eddie is a person who uses his sense of humor as a defense mechanism but like this is the last of his skepticism being drawn away because it's not a confrontation you know it is not somebody forcing it on him he is coming to it of his uh, of his own terms with a group of equals right so like the, the that i think is the is the thing that flips the bit you know he has no reason to disbelieve anything that he's seen but like charlie the choo-choo and then also you know recognizing that he is just an, an echo of cuthbert himself um does make him into a believer you know see the turtle any keen all things serve the fucking beam <laughs> yeah, is, is what he says about this like yep might as well i'm tra- I'm, tra- I'm trapped here with a with, with a with a wizard astronaut let's go yeah <laughs> the space wizard is really getting to you uncle <laughs> it is yeah I, I, i'm gonna go uh paint that on the side on the side of a van um bango <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. skank <laughs> <laughs> and i forget if at this point they talked about or you know rediscovered the fact that like jack mort was the person who at several points you know uh negatively impacted Susanna's life you know um and also and also jake like there are all these threads that are connected to them uh in 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 a way jeremy like you said that is not summarized neatly by a single number yeah yeah so after this night of palaver you know they talk about their plan they're all afraid of blaine but they know it's their car so well fuck it let's go <laughs> and there's kind of this heartwarming scene that follows up on what you were talking about, Jeremy, with Eddie's conversion, because Roland is out doing his own doing his own thinking and Eddie manages to like sneak up on him, you know, for the second time in this book, right? Because Roland is so is so absorbed in thought. And there's this kind of heart to heart that happens where Eddie says, like, hey, you don't have to kid you don't have to keep like dragging us. Like by being this person who's kind of like dragging us or pushing us along or acting as our shepherd, you're, you're shut off. You need to know that all of us are invested. You know, we're going to, we're going, you know, we're embarked. Right. And Mm. he even says, I love this quote about it. If I'm going to die in the city or on that train, I want to die knowing I was more than a marker on your game board. Like if you're going to be a part of this quartet, like you can't just be fearless, your fearless leader. You have to be, you know, open yourself up to us because that's the only way we're going to succeed. And like mm. this is powerful enough that even Roland like apologizes for his conduct, not you know for for not realizing the the subtle way that things had changed once they were all together. Yeah, I, I like as well that Eddie even later on says, you know, if 
yeah, we're, we're all in. We want to go see the tower. Mm. I want to see it in the Field of Roses, and I want to look at it. And if you die, we're still going. <laughs> we'll probably die, like, right away, but we're still going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go on, Eddie. Yeah. I like the, I like the thought that Roland has here, too, when he kind of shittily thinks, like, well, of course you're going to keep going. Like, what else do you do? You're, you're not much of a farmer. And then almost <laughs> chides himself for thinking about that and says, like, that's that's unworthy of you and unworthy of Eddie, I think, is, is the way he says it in his mind. and. Yeah. It goes almost immediately into the apology that you mentioned and that that, you know, that that instinct of being shitty to somebody, especially somebody close to you. And then like having to rewind yourself and be like, oh, no, nope, that's actually just that's all my stuff internally. I can't just, mm-hmm. you know, put that on you like that's mm-hmm. that's really good. Like that's that's some real good character stuff from from Roland and Eddie. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's about respect. Yeah. Yeah. And from this point forward, they pretty much move forward with complete respect. There's some tests and some trials of that in uh, book five, but like they are committed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they respect the beam team. <laughs> the beam team. <laughs> the beam team. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought that was why that was good. <laughs> so they reach their conclusion. They decide to call it a night and uh, we get this little foreboding as we are getting ready to go into um, a chapter that is probably more action-packed than the first two that we covered, um, or at least you know uh, the uh, the bear chapter and the, uh, uh, the 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 door chapter, where Roland recalls saying, "Okay, you know he's called Blaine in in this world, but in Jake's weird world of prophecy, he's called Charlie. This is a bad thing because in the high speech, you know what was once a lingua franca, the lingua franca of this world, and what I think in naturally, Char, out of Charlie." means death so he's more worried about this than he is letting on to the others and that's where Man, this and just as somebody that's in the middle of book four and um this tar stuff is hmm hmm <laughs> like i'm just ah uh, yep. let's just keep talking yeah. about this series and let's just finish book let's just finish wizard uh, uh finish the wastelands tonight y'all we can do it let's go <laughs> no, in, my, in my reread this is this is hit a lot harder than it did the first time i read as well like oh yeah. oh yeah yeah oh, yeah this oh, is oh. this is a this is a like the, the word char uh, is you know just as pedestrian as it sounds is mm-hmm. very important in this series so yeah we saw a little bit of that in the revised version of book one but we're, you know it's not really going to land home um, oh, exactly. About, yeah, 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 I know, right? I that they added that in. Ro- yeah. Roland has a lot of reason to to be very wary of that particular. Uh, what is it? Paraphonemes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 not great. Uh, Although, if we extrapolate back, Deathmander. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, everybody's favorite Pokemon: Fire and Dark type Deathmander. <laughs> Yeah, I read a I read a creepy pasta about that. Is it metal? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. shit, Patty, oh, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that's the end of that chapter. Um, before we get to our final sum- summaries, I want to give a small programming note because you know who knows when people tune away. So next time uh, we're we're covering Bridge and City, but I'm breaking that into two. Um, in a way that we haven't done so far um, in this book, uh, we're stopping right at section 24. So um, at the moment when Roland and Oi decide to go into the sewers to try and track down Jake, like, go ahead and read it all, read it all, everybody. It's just so dense mm-hmm. and so long that it's impossible for us to talk about it in one go. So 
if you are stopping when we stop, um, understand that that is where the breaking point is going to happen. Um, so final thoughts about this, Patty. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think we discussed all the way through that this is just such a, an interesting change of pace, I think, um, compared to the rest of the book, like pretty much every other chapter has a, a big actiony bit in it, be it a bear, be it a door demon, you know, be it what's to come. This is the quiet bit where we learn about the world and we meet some, just some real, just good people. You know, we, we, we see that there is some sort of light left in this world. Cause at the moment it's just been just a shit sandwich from page one to page, whatever it is we're on in, in, in book three. Um, just meeting these wonderful old people. Over crossing. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. It's these lovely old people of Rizzo Cropping that are just, like we say, they, they've achieved maximum old person sweetness. Um, <laughs> and it just gives them something to fight for, something to, to bind them together even. You know, so that, it gives them that moment to sort of to rest and to talk and to sort of really kind of gel together. Because like you say, Jake's only been there for about three days and two of them he spent with a fever because of a spider bite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just gives the, the, the cartet a chance to 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 cling together and, and then the fact that we then spend you know a good few chapters sitting down just talking themselves through where they've all been so everyone's caught up and they can see the hidden threads that have kind of brought them all together or at least see some of them anyway um it just really sort of brings them together as the team and i think at this point like right this is the cartet they're here they're good we're together now we've done it time to go yeah jeremy totally agreed with what patty said like it's taken us two and a half books to get here and for most of the first book you assume that this is going to be like a a lone ranger story but we finally have our team right like we have our our typical fantasy team we've got a we've got a tank we got a heal no i'm kidding Mm -hmm. but it's it's we finally have collected everybody that's going to be super important in this book in this series and all into one group and they've all they've shared their kiff like they have had the conversation about you know their lives leading up to this point and they're We've got our, our we kind of finally have a, a reason to go after the Dark Tower. Um, like I think up to this point, it was mostly just Roland's just stubbornness that we, we were just like, OK, yeah, I want to see it, too. Like if he's been doing this for this long, if he's walked across the you know a desert that nobody's walked across, I want to I want to see it, too. Like if that if he could do that, then, yeah, I, I definitely want to go along with, with it. Yeah. And I think in book two, we see that with Eddie where he says, yeah, I want to go after your damn tower. Mm-hmm. But. Now we actually have a reason to do that. Like we have a reason, like there's the idea of possibly healing this thing of possibly, you know, correcting everything. So yeah, the more I think about this chapter, because when I was rereading it for the show, I was like, you know, this is kind of a low key, not necessarily boring, but like not super, you know, over the top action. It's not definitely not a chapter that I think about a lot when I think about this book, but the more that we've been talking about it, the more I really like it. Like the small character arcs we get with Eddie and and Jake. Jake starts this kind of under the shadow of the uh what does he call it? Does he call it like the house monster or the door master or something? Yeah, he says the, something, like the, like the, the like doorkeeper. The, yeah, the doorman or the doorkeeper, yeah. Yeah, the and, and he he kind of starts like kind of having nightmares and uh, you know, by the end of this, but when he sees um Aunt Talitha or Talitha give Roland the silver cross. He thinks to himself like that. That's he's now out from under that shadow. And, mm-hmm. you know, just that small, just small little moments with these characters and that they've all kind of come together for this is extremely powerful. Like I, I really, really like it. Yeah. No, I think you guys have all have both uh, summed it up very well. I think for me, it is always great. You know, like the, the, these are, these are action books, right? 
in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and most of the ways that they have been tested have been in conflict, you know, have been, you know, in dealing with things that have been a threat to them, you know, bodily, right? Well, we haven't seen a lot of, and what I think we benefit from is to see them tested as a group, you know, to see those bonds, you know, not just be under attack, but to actually form up and to, and to have this moment to breathe. I think that without, without this, this book would have actually been incredibly exhausting and we wouldn't have had an awful lot of, uh, we wouldn't have had an awful lot of context for why, you know, these people should care about each other or even care about the world around them. So like, this is a necessary breather, much like, you know, the breather that was implied at the beginning of this book, you know, when they were training up before they, before they got Jake, before they fought Shardik, all of that. Um, it serves a function in order to get the exposition out of the way um, for Lud. I think that it makes both chapters better for it. Yeah. So um, thank you so much, Jeremy and Patty for coming along um, and doing this. If people want to find you online, where can they do that? Jeremy. Um, go to don't give up skeleton.com to hear me interview people, including Cole and Patty and just about everybody else that's ever played dark souls <laughs> and, uh, about their experience with the soul series. Uh, it's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour each, each episode. And mm -hmm. there's a new guest every single week and it's a fun show. Come you like it. If you like dark souls, you might like it even if you don't like dark souls. I don't know. <laughs> Come listen, find out. Yeah. Where can they find you on Twitter? At JG Greer. Cool. And Patty, how about you? Uh, yeah, if you want to listen to me talk for a bit longer than that, um, uh, you can follow me on our podcast, Twin Humanities, which is ostensibly a Dark Souls podcast. But at the minute, we're taking a bit of a break on our sideshow, which is over the humanities to talk about E3. Uh, we have recorded uh, at current count 15 hours of chat about the E3 press conferences. Mm -hmm. So, Insanity. you know, if you've, if you've got some stamina, you know, and you're feeling good. The Microsoft and Sony ones run nearly four hours each. So, you yeah. know, get a, get a drink or 12 and a pack of biscuits and sit down and hopefully you'll enjoy my words. Yeah. Um, but you can find me personally on Twitter, which is at Paddy Stardust. Yeah. Um, and you can find me at Cole Ross on Twitter and um, on several shows at the duckfeed.tv network. Um, programming note about uh, things that are happening between um, this book, The Wastelands, and the next book, Wizard and Glass. Uh, so we're going to have an extended um, kind of inter- interseason break on this um some things that we're going to cover during that uh we're going to cover the dark tower movie which is coming out in august which is ridiculous to think about um also <laughs> it's finally here i can't <laughs> believe clint eastwood is finally getting to, to do this <laughs> he, he had to wait for his schedule to clear up um, <laughs> i also want to do an episode about the it movie um i'm really actually kind of excited about that having seen the trailer um and that it, it relates to this series in a weird way um, in addition to that, I also want to talk about the mist and about the stand, um, because those both have a bearing on the next main line book in the series. So all in all, that's several episodes mimicking the long gap between, <laughs> uh, I'm just doing this to torture people at this point, mimicking the long gap between, uh, between the wastelands and wizard and glass. But I think all of that, like there, there's nothing in there that I'm like bummed out to be talking about. So just so you know, that's what's coming up. We're about halfway through the Wastelands at this point, um, and uh, it's it's all good. Uh, but for this show, please tell your friends if they are curious about the Dark Tower because of the new, you know of the movie coming out. 
um, you know, say, hey, there are these books and there are these people who talk about these books. Um, that helps us out a great deal. And otherwise, go over to duckfeed.tv slash Patreon um, or patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Both will work. And uh, take a look at the new reward structure. You can get episodes of this show a whole week early starting in July, which is uh, which is which is cool and exciting. Um, yeah. Does that mean we have to record them a week earlier? I've got it worked out. It's all in the schedule. God, God damn it. <laughs> no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> says the man who recorded 15 hours worth of podcasts since E3. Come on. Now I have to read slightly faster. <laughs> what else you got faster? to do with your life? Well, no, you have, you, have to, you have to read slightly faster for one uh, for, for, for one episode. And, then, and then, we're, then we're on the old schedule where it'll be, you know, once every two weeks. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with the first part of bridge and city uh again the first 23 sections of that it sounds more daunting than it actually is um and uh, until then long days and pleasant nights